Welcome to Points of Who, number three. I'm Kerber Bridge. And I'm Swithin Dobson. First up in this episode, Swithin and I discuss the recently recovered Doctor Who missing episodes and look ahead to the 50th anniversary. And then I discuss with Sarah via Skype uh, the latest episode of Sherlock, The Reichenbach Fall, uh, and also discuss the upcoming Hunger Games movie. First of all, we thought we'd catch up on Doctor Who news and stuff, and it's been pretty quiet in this month of January, not a lot happening. Uh, Filming is about to start again Ah. soon, I think, but uh, yes, it's been quite quiet, but we haven't really talked much about the recovery of the new... uh, missing episodes, formerly yeah. missing episodes. So I thought that Swift and I, as the resident sort of more classic series fans of the team, well, Peter is, Peter as, well, is as well, but uh, Peter's off at the SFX Weekender, oh. so he's hopefully having a good good time and will bring us back plenty of exciting material uh, on the Dictaphone. But the Doctor Who... Episodes were covered and announced at the BFI's Missing Believed Wiped event back in, was it in December? Yeah, it was, I think it was before Christmas. Yeah, before Christmas. Uh, and hooray, two new uh, episodes have been recovered. Because, uh, as you are probably aware, <laughs> um, lots of 60s and uh, sort of early 70s Doctor Who episodes were wiped. Uh, and... Um, over the years, many of these have been recovered, but there's still 106, is it? Yeah, 106. This is sadly, uh, lost somewhere, gone forever as far as we know, unless mm. they turn up in someone's basement. Missing, presumed dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, uh, the exciting thing was, was that shows that not all hope is lost because we, um, now have uh, an episode of Galaxy 4. Episode 4 of, instead. Mm-hmm. So, Galaxy 4 with uh, William Hartnell and the Chumleys. Which, prior to this, I think we only had a couple of clips from it. We had some clips of it. Mm. Uh, but, no, so no, nothing, nothing approaching a, a full episode. Yeah. And we then had uh, the Underwater Menace episode, which... Episode? Two, because I think... I think Prior to, we have episode one. I think, I think there was. I think it was episode one, and then this is episode two. Or was it one? Was it three? It was. It's a four episode. I know that. Yeah. Uh, definitely, this is one. I can't. It might have been three. I've seen it a few times, but mm. I can't remember because I saw it originally because I got the. Um, when did I see it first? I think was it might have just been Lost in Time box set, mm. which the was released two or three years ago now. Yeah. Which calculated all the missing... They put all the episodes they had on, which were less than 50% of the entire story. Mm. 
because obviously, say with the invasion, they did the um, rather excellent, oh yes. um, black and white cartoon. Yeah, it's um, very well done. Stuff for hours, episode one and four, I think of the invasion, mm. which worked very well. Yes, because I mean there have been ways for um, Doctor Who fans to enjoy these stories to some measure, because soundtracks exist for most of. Them. All, sorry, just for all of them. All of them, yeah. They're recorded basically by about six guys with reel-to-reel tape <laughs> hooked up to their TV. <laughs> uh, that's why they exist. Yeah. Um, and also telesnaps before these uh, were wiped. Uh, photos were taken, sort of early screen grabs, as it were. Um, so, uh, And then there are reconstructions, which combine... Audio soundtrack with telesnaps and and little bits of CGI degree pokery. Loose Cannon, probably most famous for mm. those. Some of the latest is actually really quite good. Mm. Um, the early ones are a bit, well, basically, a bit of scrolling text, <laughs> some pretty poor resolution of its photos and the soundtrack. But it gives you a decent idea of um, basically the best they could do at the time. Yeah, and not get jumped on by the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, of course, uh, target novelizations. Oh, they were the classic originally. Yes. So I, I think I've read, um, I think I've read the target novelization of Galaxy 4. I'm not sure about Underwater Menace. I never read, I've only read a few of the targets, never really got hugely into them. Um, yeah, I, I, I read a lot of them. I, um, I read a lot of them before actually seeing the stories on uh-huh. TV because we grew up at a time when Doctor Who was off, off the air. Uh-huh. Um, and there weren't that, that many repeats on, uh, main TV. There were some around 1993. They did a repeat season then. On BBC Two. Yeah. Mainly. And then if you had UK Gold. Which I didn't. No, I'm not did I. <laughs> But they only have a really show from Pertwee onwards. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, a lot of my first exposure to Doctor Who was via the Target novelizations borrowed from my local library, uh, mm. worked my way through them, and then um, whenever they turned up in charity shops, I'd snap them up. I remember my excitement when I was uh, in secondary school, and I... Uh, came, checked in the, uh, Red Cross shop in Dogetlai where I grew up and they'd suddenly got this shelf full of Target novelizations for 50p each. And I was so excited at this bounty of new material. That was nearly as good as when I was at a car boot sale about four or five years ago and people were saying those Doctor Who videos for like 25p. Uh, and it was like, Terror of the Autons and the Daemons, which if you went to 10th Planet <laughs> on video, was about £40. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, mine. <laughs> How much is it? Pound. Pound. Yeah. Quickly before you realise I want this more than you know that I do. <laughs> uh, it's be a little more expensive. Yeah. Um, but yes, of course, one of the um, things <clears throat> with the missing adventures is that they can acquire something of a mystique and... Um, 
Uh, I think Tomb of the Cybermen yeah. is the classic example of a story that uh, every, all the fans uh, wanted to see. It was discovered back in the 90s, and then when they actually saw it, and there's a few bits that are slightly ropey effects and stuff, and um, uh, there was a bit of a backlash against, against it, um, just in terms of fan opinion, because it didn't live up to the... Uh, version that fans had built up in their heads of, oh, yeah. um, of what it was like uh, but uh, yeah I, I think uh, in a sense because um, with Galaxy 4 and Underwater Menace um, because they're not ones that fans really want like it's not Power of the Daleks which uh. is Patrick Troughton's first story um, as the Doctor uh, where episode one of that and the last episode of the 10th planet where um uh with the first regeneration with those the the weight of expectation would be enormous but the pressure's kind of off with these ones (laughs) because no one expects too much uh of them uh but in a way that's quite quite nice it means that they can just enjoy them for what they are Yeah, because on, on the polls, on like Galfrey base, like the Galaxy 4 and especially Underwater Menace is pretty much the, towards the bottom along with Underworld. That's <laughs> 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 where it only tend to be. So yeah, they, it doesn't really make a huge. Yes, because, um, with Galaxy 4, you've got these, uh, evil space women, um, oh, what are they called? The Dravins. Oh, the Dravins, yeah, and the chimneys of the robots. Yeah, and the robots. Yeah. And with Underwater Menace, you've got the deranged Professor Zaroff, <laughs> um, who is attempting to boil away the Earth's oceans into the Earth's core to raise Atlantis. And it's got uh, fish people. Um, so, yes, uh, uh, which <laughs> is on one level absolutely fantastic. Uh, for just sheer craziness, but um, yeah, it is quite schlocky. Yeah, and incredibly overacted, especially as <laughs> are off, who's clearly enjoying himself mm. a bit too much. Yes, uh, uh, which, according to popular legend, I think it's not quite as bad as this, but it's something like a uh, cliffhanger of nothing in the fans can stop me now. <laughs> <laughs> that is genuinely, I think, the <laughs> the last line of the episode that I had seen. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, which is always a bad sign for a villain. It's like, uh, this time there will be no mistakes, says the villain instantly before having the Doctor pop up and go, uh, well, actually, I mean, you might say next time you could mean uh, next, not within the next four and a half minutes, but in five minutes, oh yes, a big explosion, boom! Oh dear, I left the gas on. Yes. No mistakes, he said. How can the BBC will go about... Um, Distributing and like selling them, yeah. Because uh, there's only two episodes; they're not really related particularly well. Mm. I mean, it's high. It's unlikely because the quality, I don't think, is high enough. Do you reckon the BBC will attempt to do any Blu-ray releases of the classic series episodes, or just not at any, any point? Well, I think the the thing with Blu-ray 
releases is that because um obviously the picture isn't going to be HD, you can fit an awful lot uh, of episodes yeah, uh, onto a disc. So I think Blu-ray sets would be perfect for um season box sets because mm-hmm. you could fit a lot more episodes on onto a disc and so it would only take a few discs to um fit an entire series uh also. Uh, I reckon this is what they'll do for for the fiftieth anniversary. They're almost they're pretty much at the end of the D V D releases. They've still I, I, they've got they've don't got think, don't think they've re released the Ice Warriors yet. They've they've got a few to go. Yeah. But I think they will um will have finished releasing everything on D V D pretty much by the fiftieth anniversary. Mm. Um, so what I reckon will make sense is that they'll start releasing box sets for on Blu-ray uh, for the 50th anniversary. They'll finish off the DVD releases and then you'll get, um, I don't know how they'll do it, but maybe a box set per, per Doctor or um, something, one for each. Uh, I mean, they'll do more than one, but they'll sort of launch with seven or eight box sets released in the uh, anniversary year, one for each Doctor or something like that. That would make sense. No, I was just thinking that they, they could re-release the Lost in Time set. Hmm. But if you if they're going to do season season sets, the single episodes within those seasons of what they've got would, yeah. would, would make sense with all the other other things there. Uh, it would be interesting how they distribute the extras then. Hmm. Um, it'd be annoying if they released them extraless. Mm. Especially with the the kind of hardware that Blu-ray's got on it to actually yeah. whack them full, but th- that would make sense. I think with the Epic ones they haven't done. I don't think they've released, apart from the Invasion. I don't think they've released, like, if I remember rightly, any of the ones that have got half the episodes and half missing. Mm. Because with the video releases of Ice Warriors, they released an audio CD for the episodes. Oh yeah. Weren't there, and also like an interlinking, like short narrator, the narration part, or you could put the CD on and listen to it. So I don't think there's that. Also, I think in the same vein, the Reign of Terror, I believe, is four of six, mm. and that was only released in the part of the box set, was like penultimate release on video. Mm. Um, so I think there's a few of those who are still not entirely sure the BBC have decided what they're going to do with them, uh, whether they're going to animate them or. I don't know, do an elaborate tele-snap job. Yeah. Because I think th- those are the ones... That, I sure is that, and I'm sure there's some others, but I, I don't know, remember them off the top of my head. Yeah, because the advantage of the um, invasion, of course, was it's got the Cybermen in it, oh, as well as um, the Brigadier. Um, not He's the Brigadier yet by then, but um, Lethbridge Stewart. And so it's got lot more hooks for the more casual That's true. Uh, fans where um whereas something like uh the romans um it good story but not one that's necessarily um got as wide an appeal the romans is, isn't it got it in its entirety though oh not the romans what was the one you mentioned the reign of terror reign of terror yes yeah that's yeah Robespierre's reign of terror in the French Revolution doesn't really have as yeah. much general cachet. Oh, I haven't haven't seen it. Although mm-hmm. it would be would be interesting. Uh, 
just got a text from Sarah Burrow, who's trying to get her headset working to Skype in, but um, uh, she's now got the headset sorted out, but the internet isn't working. Uh, have you got enough from you and Swithin, or do you want to wait half an hour while I fix things? I think we can carry on talking for a few more minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, it'll be interesting to uh, see what they do, because the BBC have released some clips from these episodes that have been recovered, and they had screened them at the BFI event, but we haven't actually got to see yeah. them in their entirety yet, which would be uh, would be exciting. So, yes, it would be good if they could do that. I mean, they have got certain Doctor Who stories on uh, YouTube, on the BBC Worldwide channel, so you can watch some Doctor Who mm-hmm. stories for free in their entirety on online, and then others are available, um, sort of various paid options, including via Facebook's video rental oh. thing and uh, so on. So um, with digital and with downloads and stuff, making individual episodes available oh. is a lot easier. Um, so hopefully it will happen in some form or other. They, they could well uh, premiere them, I don't know, on... BBC Two, mm. 50th anniversary night or so. Maybe BBC, BBC Four is well, more like Yeah, BBC yeah. Four. And then get um, Doctor Who like, panellists to discuss things in between the yeah. episodes showing. I can't, what's he, I can't remember his name. The guy who found loads in the 90s. I can't remember his name. He, oh, I can't remember. The Doctor Who fan who kind of found, I think he found the Daleks, I think. I think it was him. Ian Levine. Ian Levine. Oh, yeah. Ian Levine, of course. Get Ian Levine on there. <laughs> yes. He's an interesting character. Although, he said that they would never find any more mm. before they found episode two of the Dark Master Plan. Um, because, oh, yeah, because there was a documentary on the Ice Warriors release about the lost episodes. Oh, yeah. Clips and things. Anyway, yeah. Well, back in the 90s and 80s, it was fine. It was only like 10 years since, you know, it was likely we're not going to find any more. Hmm. So we've just got three more. <laughs> yes. Although they are becoming increasingly rare and small, because in the old days, you, you'd find in the 80s or whatever, you could find load like, a whole story mm. uh, relatively easily. But yeah, get Ian Levine, BBC4, do a mm-hmm. do, do do an evening of things. It, it would make entire sense. I mean, he's not going to cost very much. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, they do occasionally pop a couple of Doctor Who stories on BBC4. They showed Ark in Space a while back. Oh, did they? I completely uh, missed that. Um, they did the Green Death as well. Mm. Was it? I think that was BBC4. Yes, I hope I hope we have plenty of repeats and stuff for the 50th anniversary. I mean, that's, that's something else we could talk about briefly, is looking ahead. Um, it is within the foreseeable future now that it's Next year, uh, 2013, Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. Um, how, how do you think they should, uh, mark this? Should they go for the traditional multi-doctor extravaganza? Or should they do something slightly different? It's not really something given a huge amount of thought. Um, what could they do? I mean, if the multi-doctor story, realistically, they potentially could get six Together, mm-hmm. 
I think Tom Baker wouldn't do it. Or he might sit down in a room and talk a line, but he, he would have practically no active input. Mm. Um, he'd, he'd have the William Hartnell on the TV screen. Uh, pretty much. Free, free Doctors style cameo. And then, you know, you could, you could conceivably have Peter Davis onwards. Yes. Chris Reckleston might take some persuading. Uh, they might end up doing a shard and just showing, um, pre-released, uh, non, um, previously unreleased footage <laughs> and just edit it in and him getting stuck in a time warp or something. Yeah. Um, would be a possibility, but I, I suppose yeah, if they did the right story, the multi-doctor story could work. Yeah, I would really, really like to see Paul McGann uh, back as the as the doctor. Because because um, he did only get that um, the TV movie. It would be really nice for him to have um, uh, to play the Doctor in proper Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. Um, no offence. Well, some offence intended to the TV movie. It was very good. I mean, I know, I know we have to um, accept it as canon, because, uh, uh, but yeah, there's still large bits of it. Ignore uh, half-human cough. <laughs> No. These words are heresy, as the Dalek Emperor says to the suggestion the Daleks are human in parting of the ways. Big reference there, and so the multi multi doctor story. Um, mm. I just I just like them to get, as I say, um, getting some of the best of classic who back on terrestrial television, yeah. which they've seen be quite reticent in doing. Yeah, uh, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like them to get on that. As I say, get some big, get get a couple of talking heads together. Uh, they have done good nights in the past as well, and and then maybe do a big extravaganza of an evening, and then you know I don't know, just just show a selection of from one from story from each doctor say on BBC Four in a week, one a week, because you could easily show that. Mm. I I think in terms of celebrating the past, um, <clears throat> although. A multi doctor story would be fun. Um, I don't, I don't want them to do something too backward looking on the show itself. Um, cause, yeah. uh, often, um, these things can become quite self indulgent. And I'd rather, basically what I want is a really, really good story. Mm. Everything else is secondary. Uh, if, and if they can do a really good multi-doctor story, <laughs> great. But I, I'd uh, much rather something that moves Doctor Who forward that <laughs> perhaps introduces new, new character, new ongoing characters <laughs> or monsters that does something different that pushes that explores the character of the Doctor in a different way. And if they can do that with old monsters and past Doctors and returning companions, yeah. great. But I'd, my priority is a really good, thumping, original story that moves uh, Doctor Who uh, onwards, oh. not just a knees up. Yeah, because that's something they could quite... Wasn't I haven't read it, but allegedly it was it um, the Eight Doctors by uh, Terence Dix. Oh, that, that was suffers that from was that. dreadful. <laughs> suffers from basically yeah, let's just get back well, together. Um, 
why on earth did he think it was a good idea to go back and try and fix the continuity of Trial of a Time Lord? Oh no! <laughs> I mean, even Lance Parking gives up with dating uh, the con- doing the continuity of um, the Gandalf race stories. Is a separate chapter in a, yeah. in a brief history of t- a brief history of times. The book, yeah. but, but yeah, uh, that um, I mean. Uh, God bless Terence Dix, he's written some great Doctor Who stories, but he has written the odd stinker as well. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, like Doctor's, <laughs> uh, it's not one of his finest hours. Not at all, but yeah. I... Uh, it, would, it would be fun, though, if they could um, get Terence Dix uh, back to uh, co-write a... Um, episode for the 50th anniversary and then the other classic series writers um, somehow I think Christopher H. Bidmead might have blotted his copybook a bit too much <laughs> with uh, some of his comments about the new series in the interview he did for <laughs> Talk to you magazine Chris H. Bidmead Christopher H. Bidmead does sound like it ought to be an exclamation by some eccentric character. You can imagine um, uh, Doc in Back to the Future exclaiming, Christopher H. Bidmead! Uh, Great Scott! (laughs) Um, But yeah, he I mean, he he wrote some good stories back in the 80s. Um, I can't really think of a huge amount of all the, all the scripts I like, they're all dead. Mm. <laughs> who, who wrote those? I mean, mean, Robert Holmes would be uh, the dream uh, team. Uh, and, and Terrence Dix. Um, but, yeah. Um, I don't know, Ben Aronovich. Yeah, I mean... Um, it's a possibility. That would be good, because he's doing well now on, uh, with his novels and the Rivers of London and uh, stuff. I was just thinking on the basis of Remembrance of the Daleks. Yeah, um, but it, I think, I, I mean, if they could lure him back to do a Doctor Who novel, one of the sort of hardback special <laughs> ones, that would be really cool. Yeah, thinking with, with the multi-dots one, just do it without the Cybermen or the Daleks, and if you can manage to do it without that, you might actually try and pull something interesting <laughs> out, rather yeah. than just, just reference the Daleks, and might bring back the Dalek Hoover then. <laughs> which was never a good idea in the first place <laughs> okay well I think we'll um, wrap up our segment on Doctor Who let us know what you think ideas for the 50th anniversary and yeah. uh, if you've got any belated thoughts on the missing episodes uh, and which ones you'd like to see back next uh, leave a comment on the blog and and also, if, if we should do anything for the 50th anniversary... Oh, yes! <laughs> what, what, what should we do? That's that's a good thought. I haven't thought of that should we, should Forward we, planning. Yeah, should we, should we write some bad parody or something? I, we, 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 ought to, we ought to do a commentary on the story for every Doctor in the anniversary. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. But if you've got any more, inter- any more out there ideas, we're mm. more than willing to hear them. Yes. So, yeah. We could all dress up and reenact. Um, oh, uh, have you seen that Star Wars um, uh, recreation, uh, which is 
I think it's 15 second segments and it's all been edited together. So it's the complete star, first Star Wars film, the proper first one, not the Phantom Menace. <laughs> I refuse to call it A New Hope, episode four. <laughs> star Wars, that's what it's called. Um, but the fan thing where they crowdsourced it and edited it all together. Uh, so it's entirely been made by fans and groups of fans each took 15 second segment of it filmed it and then it's all been edited together as one continuous narrative uh i reckon doctor who fans should definitely could do that uh, do that for the 50th anniversary um which but which story which 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 one should we do let us know yes but if 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 you're interest, interested in signing up for that idea, it's get the ball rolling on the on the forums. Uh, could be onto something something good here. Oh, and then they could broadcast at the 50th anniversary. Oh Man, yes, that'd be immense. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, there's plenty of time to plan that. So uh, you heard it here first here on uh, Points of Who. So and thanks for dropping in, Swivin. And I'll go now to Sarah Burrow, who's on the line on Skype, to discuss Sherlock and the Hunger Games trailer. Hello, welcome Sarah to Points of Who. Hello. So, uh, we're going to discuss just a couple of things. So, we've got Sherlock to catch up on, because we did our discussion of that, and uh, that was just before... The final episode, the Reichenbach fall went out. So, uh, yeah, and we'll also discuss um, the Hunger Games trailer because uh, that's coming out in March in cinemas, and we've yeah, uh, and I think we're planning on doing a discussion that way. I think before yeah. the the release. So uh, yes, because yeah. I've read two out of the three books so far, and you've read, and I've read all three more than once. <laughs> Yeah, so uh so yes, but let's let's kick off with Sherlock. So what did you think of the uh final episode of the three? Um I thought it was alright. Um I think the ending was quite good. I'm not so sure all the premises were particularly as clever as they have been. Um the main thing that annoyed me was that the idea that of this computer code that could get him into anywhere. Yeah. And I thought from the very beginning that was a little bit ridiculous, and I was a bit annoyed that Sherlock didn't immediately dismiss that as a ridiculous idea. Yes. Um, I thought it was a bit weak that it didn't really fit with, you know, Sherlock as they've portrayed him, that he would actually believe that, because it is a load of rubbish. Yes. Because <laughs> sometimes, actually, you could just keep somebody out with a very large steel door, and no amount of computer code would help that. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought with that... When that came up, I wasn't sure whether that was something we were just supposed to accept as part of the story because Stephen Moffat and Steve Thompson didn't know better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, or whether it was a plot point. And, uh, I'm glad it did turn out to be a plot point, but yes, uh, if uh, Sherlock really should have worked that out. Yeah. I would have been happy even if he'd appeared to have gone along with understanding it and then... But no, he really did appear to have believed it up until the point where Mariotti told him. Yeah. I'm just a bit like, no, that doesn't really fit. Because if I'm able to work out that's a load of rubbish, um, Sherlock should have done it, you know, 
two days before me. So, <laughs> but um, I think generally it was good. Uh, obviously, it's it's um, caused a lot of discussion on uh, yes. how how he uh, has survived. It was quite funny actually. The first time I watched it, I watched it on. Um, the recording that my TiVo box had made of it, yeah. um, and he cut off the last few minutes. Oh, they. Um, so I actually, he actually did die in the first one I saw, and I didn't see him at the end of the episode. Um, and I'm very glad I went to look for another version online because I was like, I'm sure they don't leave it like that. <laughs> so I didn't have the whole graveyard. Well, it it, it sort of cut off partway through Watson's graveyard scene thing. Ah. Uh. Yes. Yeah, I thought. Um, do you think it works as a, a cliffhanger, leaving that unresolved? How he, how he survived. Um. Yeah, I think. Well, I don't know. I think it's probably it's a very in keeping. Well, it's, I suppose it's not in keeping with the original, is it? Because he, we didn't know he was supposed to have died, wasn't he, in the original? But. Uh, I think it makes some interesting discussion for the uh, <laughs> the final the, the next series. Um, I'm glad that they actually did just have him appear at the end because, to be honest, there was no point not doing that because yeah. you knew he was coming back because you knew there was going to be a third series. Um, so I'm glad they didn't just you know finish it essentially where I originally first saw the cut, which was uh, partway through the graveyard scene. So uh, um, I still have no idea though how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> We need to get Jonathan Creek onto this one because uh, there was yeah. an episode in which um, uh, you had someone apparently jump to their death, and that was done with sort of uh, some a bit of distraction, a concealed crash mat, and uh, fake blood yeah. and stuff, or something like that. So uh, yeah, yeah. There's been lots of uh, theories, haven't there, of how he. Involving Molly and the cyclist, and mm. there's a lot of theories of people of, of him jumping in. Is there a truck that drives past at some point? Um, I I haven't been replaying it and freeze framing it uh, to try and work out how he did it. Uh, I'm like, well, not much. <laughs> no, I, well, I haven't at all. It's just that the things I've been reading, people keep going on about this. Um, truck or whatever that must drive past at some point. I remember Watson being hit by the cyclist, which I figure yeah. has probably got something to do with it, even if it's just to detract Watson's attention. Yeah. Um, but Moffat says they have actually filmed it, haven't they? They actually filmed how it how it happened. Yeah, or parts of it. Or parts of it. So I just read the interview in which he says that actually it's quite a good interview. Hmm. Um, Is that the one in The Guardian? I think so, yeah. yeah where he it's, says it's there's the re- a clue that no one's spotted yet. Yeah, that well, yes, that one. It's quite a long interview, actually. Yeah, the one that took place after that aired. Yeah, no idea what that clue is because that essentially rules out that Molly can't be that clue because loads of people have guessed that that's got something to do with it, um, and the cyclist. So there must be something we're missing somewhere along the lines. Perhaps some people thought that perhaps the fact that um, when the, g- the girl earlier in the episode uh, saw uh, Sherlock. Um, she screamed. So perhaps Moriarty had uh, worn a Sherlock mask to frighten her, make her frightened of Sherlock. And yeah. uh, this is, uh, um, and so it was in fact Moriarty being thrown off with uh, a Sherlock mask on or something. Ah, well, that's not a theory I've read. 
but, but well, I suppose it. I mean, to be honest, given who the writers are, I'm not going to write anything off. It could be anything, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it could be a shape-shifting robot with little people inside, with uh, Sherlock <laughs> piloting yeah, it to that's make never it been done before, has it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could be anything. I think we could be guessing until the new series starts. So. It, it is interesting that it is quite a similar... Um, similar to Doctor Who in that you have the hero becoming too too well known, too visible and having to fake his own death. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I have no idea who was going to have done it though, so. But yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I think um, I was slightly frustrated by the um, lack of explanation but I guess it is fun to leave everyone guessing for yeah. A few months. Um, yeah. Do we know? Do we have an air date for season three? Um, no, I'd, I'd guess it would probably be in a year's time or so. But yeah, because uh, um, Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch both have roles in The Hobbit to film. Uh, That's and, true. Uh, uh, Cumberbatch is also in the Star Trek film. So. Yeah, the new Star Trek one as well. Mm. That is very true. Okay, and let's see. So, yeah, uh, a good a good ending. I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I did like Moriarty um, robbing the Bank of England, yeah. stealing the crown jewels and breaking open the prison all at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, I did like the scene actually with him with his iPod on um, in the in the Tower of London. That montage was quite nice. Yes. Um, um, bit annoyed about the sort of way he did it because I mean, you'd think that uh, they'd have better security systems and something that can uh, just be turned off by the security guards without anyone noticing. Well, yeah, I mean that goes back to the whole computer code thing. Is that? I mean, I've I've been to the Tower of London, and there is more security that's not based on a computer than there is. But there we go. But uh, yeah, I think I mean I think Moffat makes an interesting point in the um, the interview in the Guardian. He sort of said, it, you know, actually it's very difficult to write for um, today's audiences because um, I can't remember the exact quote, but he says, you know. In Shakespeare's time, you'd probably see one, maybe two plays a year. Um, but nowadays, you know, people can come across sort of several um, sort of types of, of fiction in a day. Um, and it does make it a lot more difficult because the audience is a lot more aware. Um, and it makes it more difficult to write something that is new and surprising. But, uh, I, I, th- I think he worries too much about being surprising. And sometimes yeah. by trying to be clever and outsmart the audience sometimes comes up with stuff that isn't actually satisfying. I'd much yeah. rather something satisfying I can see coming than something unsatisfying that I didn't see coming. Yes, that's true. I mean, we probably don't make his life any easier because we do spend several um, hours of our time um, picking his work apart. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we are partly responsible for the uh, audience that knows too much. Yes. Never mind. We're gonna, it's not like we're going to stop doing it, is it? So. <laughs> um, okay, so should we move on and discuss the uh, Hunger Games yes. trailer? Because, um, uh, yeah, the latest 
um, one of the big uh, young adults um, TV sets, <laughs> books, that's the word. Yes, that'll <laughs> uh, be the one, yeah. Uh, that has made a big impact, particularly in America, but also on these uh, shores. And it's yeah. a kind of um, teen version of uh, Battle Royale, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, so uh, how did you find the books? <laughs> um, I loved the books. Um, I... Yeah, I really, really enjoyed um, them as a whole series. I think the third book was very much like the last book of the Twilight series, was really, really good in parts and then really disappointing in others. More to do with the writing style um, than anything else. But the story as a whole over the three books I really enjoyed. Um, It was the the books that got me into the sort of genre of the dystopian world. um, Oh, yeah. I've read a few more since then, um, but it's probably the one that that got me into it. Um, I found them by chance. Um, lots of people had started talking about them, and and uh, they'd got very big. And I had a lot of friends who had read them and loved them. Um, and I don't usually this doesn't usually happen, but I gave in to peer pressure and I actually read them. Um, and I'm very glad I did. Um, mm. And I'm I am looking forward to the film. I think it'll be interesting to see how they do it because the books um, are very sort of, I suppose the word is graphic in in parts, I think. Um, And one of our friends who I think Claire has joined us on the podcast before um, actually doesn't want to see the film because it's either, in her opinion, it's either going to be done well, in which case actually it's going to be too gruesome and she doesn't want to see it, or they're going to chicken out a bit and they're not going to make it that, have that much of an impact in which case she doesn't want to see it because it's going to be a bad film um, I'm going to see it anyway because I enjoyed the book so much that there's no chance I'm not seeing the film <laughs> um, which also this week has been the news has been released that it will be released in, in 3D in Ireland oh, right. so uh, again I think that's interesting because if they do do the uh, sort of gruesome part of it justice then that could be quite interesting in 3D <laughs> but um, interesting is one word for it well, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I'm quite looking forward to it. I mean, you've read you've read one and two, haven't you? So you've yes. got the main premise that this film will cover. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do quite like them. I do find um, what's slightly frustrating is um, I do get a bit annoyed with the main character, uh, <laughs> with Katniss Cap- with Everdeen. And... Um, I think it's hard to discuss without uh, giving stuff away. And, yeah. Um, I'll leave that for when we do a fuller discussion of it. Yeah. Um, when the uh, film is out. Um, but um, I think having read the second book, it goes some way to um, addressing some of my concerns. And uh, it, I get the feeling it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, I guess the thing is, is that um, because the basic premise is that um, you have these games and it's part of uh, this oppressive uh, regime, keeping everyone in order. They take um, uh, children, teenagers as tributes to fight in these games and force everyone to watch it. Um, 
and the, uh, the writer, oh, what was her name, Suzanne? Um, oh, Suzanne Collins. Suzanne Collins exactly. said that she got the idea while flicking between news channels and you sort of could flick between reality TV and news footage uh, yeah. and stuff. Um, I don't think it quite um, has the, as it were, satirical punch it could do. Um, I, I think that in terms of, because you've got these this, these games being put on as kind of bread and circuses for the masses, the sort of gladiatorial games type thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think too much of the first book, it's like you're just enjoying being entertained by the the action, as it were. Uh, and so it kind of it's kind of making you complicit, but it doesn't really do anything with it. Uh, as much as it could do. Uh, I think it does build on that, and particularly in the second book, it starts getting a bit more um, uh, challenging the status quo and stuff. But yeah, uh, but yeah I, I think um, it, it takes some time getting there. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I mean, I had that feeling as well when I, I mean, I, I read all three books back to back, but you definitely get that feeling in the second book because, and it does, I mean, it, I think you will be happier with book three. Um, the problems I had with book three is is the way she chooses to write it, mm. um, because it's all written in Katniss's viewpoint. Yeah, you will you will see from the book without giving anything away, it does suffer somewhat from being written from her point of view. Yeah, and it, uh, it would actually maybe have been better where, in a lot of books, do it. Um, again, going back to the final book of the Twilight series, Breaking Dawn. I actually quite like that every so often the, ca- the, the chapter changes to another viewpoint. Mm. Um, and other authors, authors have done it. I've just read The Lost Hero by Rick Rawdon. Oh, who, yes. Um, who also does it and, and changes the... And you can do it too much, but I think it would have... It maybe would have benefited in, in the final book, which I'm sure we'll discuss further when we do the, the round table on it. Mm. Um, and I think, that, I, mean, I think that was his biggest problem. The book has... As it, as in terms of what it covers, I really enjoyed. And I think it is satisfying from the point of view you're coming from. It doesn't quite deal with everything you wanted to, but the last one, I think, does actually answer that. Uh, and it makes a nice, neat three-series set of books. Yeah. Um, there is an epilogue and things, you know, and it's it's another one of those sorts of things that I imagine it, it went down with some fans as well as the Harry Potter epilogue did. So, um, but you can wait and see what that one says, as you haven't read it yet, Caleb. But uh, um, I really enjoyed it. I'll be looking to look forward to the film, which of course comes out on the 23rd of March. Um, as to whether I'll see it in IMAX, I don't know. It'll probably more than anything depend on my um, financial situation at that time. But, uh, um, but yeah, looking forward to watching it. And I think the trailers are good. I mean, the first trailer they released was. Not so much a teaser trailer, more as just more disappointing than anything else. It was li- literally just Katniss, um, or Jennifer Lawrence, who plays Katniss, doing a lot of running, basically. Um, but the trailers and the, and the snippets released since um, look a bit more interesting. Um, I think the casting looked promising. Yep. Um, and obviously, rever- uh, I'll reserve full judgment until we actually see how good they are. But... Um, yeah, it looks encouraging. I don't personally know Jennifer Lawrence from anything else. Although I she do was in the 
X-Men First Class, I think. Oh, right. There's, oh, um, yes. Um, oh, her name's going to escape me now. She was. Uh, Mystique. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she was blue in that, so it's not really surprising you don't recognise her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do, however, recognise um, Joss Hutchison, who plays um, Peter, <laughs> the, um, the other tribute who's been in various different things but uh, uh, and it's got a generally it has attracted a good sort of calibre of actor um, I mean obviously those two may not be that well known but you've got sort of Donald Sutherland in it I can't think of other people in it but um, it, you're not, not in huge roles but in, uh, in some quite sort of characterised roles there are some really interesting characters that it'll be interesting to see how they portray them. Uh, Woody Harrelson as well plays to play Haymitch. Oh, right. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. So I think it will work well um, on film. And I think... Uh, I'll be interested to see how they adapt it because I think for cinema you will have to break out of Katniss's point of view a lot more uh, and I yeah. think that might actually work a bit better. Um, yeah, I mean I, I think similar to the, what they did with the Harry Potter films, it, yeah. you know, the scenes they added that aren't necessarily from Harry's point of view, I, I generally, I, I think most of them I really like. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it will benefit from that, and I think the later films will benefit from that as well. Yeah. Uh, because you've got other well-developed characters that you could could jump to. You yeah. Know, mainly, see the the main three in the first book are, are Katniss, Peter, and Gale. You know. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much of the first film they keep in, in only yeah. Katniss's point of view. Yeah. Ah, well, good stuff to look forward to. Uh, yeah. so, so, thanks for sharing your views and opinions on those things. Uh, if you're, uh, if you listeners are looking forward to um, uh, Hunger Games, then uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, comments and feedback are very welcome, and especially because we'll be discussing it again soon. If there's anything you want to raise uh, ahead of our uh, discussion of it um, coming up. Please let us know. Yeah. Yep. And any different theories that we haven't discussed on the uh, how Sherlock survives. Mm. I'm quite happy to admit I don't know. So uh, any other theories would be quite good. I'm sure we'll discuss it when we actually find out in the next series. Yes. Great. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks very much, Sarah. Uh, speak yep, to you again right. soon. Yep. Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who Plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com Thanks for listening! <laughs>